Well, again, happy Mother's Day to you moms. On the way out, we have a special gift for you, so make sure that you pick that up. Moms are very important. I'm always touched when I read the crucifixion story, how Jesus loved his mom so much that he made provision for her. He asked his cousin John to take care of her and for her to act as his mom for the rest of their lives, knowing he wouldn't be here on earth uh, in a physical way to take care of her. And so I just think moms are so important. We are so glad that today is a special day in the life of our church. Uh, it's a day where we join with parents as they dedicate some of their most precious gifts to God and his service. Now, today's one of those days also in our church calendar year. We don't have a lot of these, but we have about five Sundays where we give our children's workers a break. And today's one of those days, so our kids are here in uh, worship with us today. If for some reason, our nursery, of course, is still running across the way, but if, if you need a break or your child needs a break, we have a room right over here called a comfort room, and you are welcome to go and, and utilize that room uh, since we don't have our children's program worship, uh, worshiping with us today uh, in the children's wing. I'd like to ask that the parents and the infants or children that they are dedicating to come to the front at this time and please face the congregation. So pa families that are dedicating, parents that are dedicating your children this morning to the Lord, if you will come to the front at this time. And we are going to have a microphone held for you so that you can tell everybody your names and uh, the names of the children to be or child to be dedicated this morning. Hey, we're Nikki and Brian Hill. This is our daughter Mackenzie, and today we're dedicating Larkland Cheyenne Hill. Round of applause. We're Matt and Morgan Kirkman. This is our son, Preston Kirkman, and we're dedicating Holland Gale Kirkman. <laughs> Hi, we're Jason and Charisma Williams, and this is our daughter, Claire Grace Williams, and we're dedicating her today. Praise God. All right, at this time, if the families will face me, the, the parents and the kids to be dedicated. And we would like to invite parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, special friends of the family to come and stand behind these parents and their children facing the congregation, not facing the congregation, actually facing me, as a show of support for these parents and their children. So families if you and special friends, if you would like to come and just surround these families with your love this morning and your support. You know, the truth is you cannot raise children alone, uh, at least not very well. And so we're thankful so much for those who have come to support these as they dedicate their children to the Lord. God loves children. Psalm chapter 127 and verse 3 tells us, Behold, children are a gift from the Lord. While he was healing and blessing the crowds, some children were brought to Jesus. And the disciples rebuked those who brought them. 
But Jesus said, Let the children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Because of scriptures like these, we at Rushwood Church take a high view of children. We also take seriously the duty of parents to view and treat their children as blessings, to see their children as belonging to God first and foremost, and to raise their children above all to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. To that end, we want now to question these parents as to their commitment to their children and to their children's relationship to Jesus Christ and His church. Parents, will you seek, with God being your helper, to value your children as your most precious earthly gifts outside of your relationship to God and each other? Will you provide for your children, discipline your children, instruct your children, and love your children in a way that reflects God's perfect love for us? Parents, if so, please answer, we will. Parents, will you seek to keep your children in close relationship with Jesus Christ and His church? Will you put their coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus as Lord before all other things? Parents, if so, please answer, we will. Will you say order your family life that being joined to the body of Christ through consistent attendance of and participation in weekly worship will take priority? Oh, listen to this. Will take priority over academics entertainment, recreation, sports, and any other thing that might prevent your child from growing up with the benefit of a godly church family? If so, parents, please answer, we will. Friends and family that are gathered around the parents and children to be dedicated, will you provide a loving and supportive community to give assistance to these parents as they seek to raise their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord? If so, please answer, we will, family. At this time, I would like to ask the congregation to stand. Congregation, will you as the church family of these parents provide a safe and loving Christian community in which these families and their children can grow? Will you provide teaching, accountability, and resource as God leads to ensure these parents have everything they need to raise children who know and serve the Lord. Congregation, if so, please answer, we will. Congregation, you may be seated. Parents, friends, and family, please stay right where you are. But I would like to ask that you would now turn and face the congregation again. I'm going to pray and then we'll come down and we will dedicate these children to the Lord on behalf of their families. Let's give these families and, and their children another round of applause before that happens. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for these blessings that you have given not only these families, not only this community, but God, we thank you for the blessings that you have given this church through these children. Father, we understand that there are churches where you never hear a child laugh, you never hear a baby cry, God, and, and, and we weep over that, God. We, we are saddened over that because it, it shows that 
there's no new life coming into that place. Father, we thank you that this church is not like that. We thank you that we have children that you have blessed us with, that we have youth that we are seeking to disciple into the path of Jesus Christ. Father, we are just so thankful. Help us not to take it for granted. Father, your word declares that children are a blessing, and sometimes our society, our culture, acts as though they're not. They act, we act as though they're bothers. We act as though they're just something, some part of our life to get through. But God, truthfully, our family is the only thing that we can take to heaven with us from this earth. And so, God, I pray that you would bless these families, you would bless these children as we dedicate them to the Lord God. We pray that it would be a true dedication, that these families would be ordered around Jesus Christ. As we talked a few weeks ago, Father, we don't want Jesus to be on the side of the family photo only on Sundays, just hanging out when we need him occasionally. But God, we pray that these families would truly have Jesus in the center. He would be in the center of everything that's done, everything that's said, everything that's offered to you in these families, God. Be with us as we continue this dedication. Be with us in the remainder of this service today, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. And everyone said, Amen. <laughs> y'all, y'all are in the back. <laughs> Come on up here. Uh, we dedicate you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Round of applause, please. For this family. If you don't clap for this one, she's going to make you clap. So just say uh, you need to know. You need to know that ahead of time. Hey, we dedicate you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We dedicate you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Families, you can now return to your seats. Let's give everybody one more round of applause. Praise God. For... I remember when my wife and I dedicated our children to the Lord, and uh, my mom bought a a christening gown for our kids. And our first two children are boys. And so we put on this gown, and man, it was long. It, you know, it looked like a dress. I had to fold that thing up under them just so it didn't, didn't look like a dress on my boys. It's great for the girls, so sorry, Mom. But anyway, things you remember. But we praise God for the children in this church. We praise God for uh, the opportunity to try to sow into them so that they might become followers of Jesus Christ early and that they might grow in Him, and they might have great impact on this world. Don't have a Mother's Day sermon prepared for you today. A lot of times I have a Mother's Day sermon prepared on these days, um, but that's just not where the Lord led me. We're kind of in the middle of the book of Ephesians, 
And I want to continue with that train of thought, but it does tie into what we did here today with this baby dedication because the gospel should be, as Christians, the gospel has to be the center of everything we do, has to be the absolute center of our lives. I do want to say this for a couple of things for next week real quick. Next week is Pentecost Sunday. I'm of the belief that Pentecost Sunday on the, in the church calendar, in the church year, should be as big of a Sunday as Christmas and Easter. And if you say, well, Brent, why in the world is that? Pentecost Sunday is the birthday of the church. It's the day where we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit to indwell his people so that the church might go into the world and preach the gospel to the entire world in the name of Jesus Christ. And so really, I believe as Christians, Pentecost Sunday should be just as big as Easter or Christmas. Usually we wear red. It's traditional to wear red to celebrate that, to kind of the fire of the Holy Spirit. And so if you want to do that next Sunday, you are definitely welcome to do that. But I pray that you would show up. I pray that please come in here ready to worship next week. And I know how it is. Some days we're tired when we come in on Sunday mornings. Some days it was a tough time getting the kids up and ready and getting them here and that sort of thing. But just ask that God would help your spirit next Sunday morning to be prepared to worship because this is one of those days where we need, and we need to every Sunday, but it's one of those days even more so we need to exalt the name of Jesus Christ to lift up the name of the Holy Spirit um, because it's such a special day in the church calendar and has so much meaning for us. Uh, also, those of you who are voting are, are members of the church. Next week is our voting. And I just want to say this really quickly. If we, we have something new that was started by the Wesleyan Church uh, over the past year, and that is that we have a yearly meeting to reaffirm our membership, to reaffirm our commitment to our local church. One of the reasons why they did that is so that we don't have a membership list with people that literally we don't know anymore. We don't know where, why, how they got on there, why they're on there, but they're still on the membership list. This is so that we keep our membership current. If you were not able to come to either of the two membership meetings that we had back in the fall, we're not, somebody said, are you kicking us out of the church? No, we're not kicking you out of church membership if you didn't come to that meeting. However, in order to vote next week, you needed to either have come to those two meetings or stop by my office and uh, sign the paperwork and reaffirm your commitment to church membership. And so you got one more week to do it. If you didn't make the meeting, and we're extending this as a grace to you, Get in touch with me, stop by, sign the paperwork so that you'll be able to vote next week. You're still a member if you don't do that, but you won't be the member in good standing in order to vote. Uh, so let's go ahead and take care of that before we vote next week. Very important, also a very important day in the life of the church. All right, enough about next Sunday. Let's talk about the good news. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6 says this. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. This morning, I'm going to go a little bit different direction. I'm not going to go, that scripture sets us up, but I'm not going to go point by point through that scripture because it's kind of a rehashing of things that we have recently talked about. This morning, God, God kind of laid it on my heart that what we really need to do is make sure 
we understand what the gospel is, what the good news of Jesus Christ is. Speaking of family, speaking of baby dedications, we want to order our family around the gospel. We want to be gospel-centered people. And if we don't really know what the gospel is all about, there's no way we can do that. We can't get there if we don't know where we're going. And so this morning, I just wanted to give you three points to help make sure you understand the gospel, understand what the good news of Jesus Christ is. What we just read was written by the Apostle Paul. If you were to go to the Apostle Paul and you said, Apostle Paul, please sum up your life for me in one sentence. Sum up your life for me in one phrase. I think Paul would have said that his life was spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. Something in that vein. I don't know if you've seen since Billy Graham passed away, but the tombstone there that they have uh, at, at the place where he was buried at the Billy Graham Library simply says, Preacher of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Not millions of people reached, billions of people preached to, anything like that. Just simply preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think that's what Paul would say. His life was about spreading the gospel. And so some points I want to give you this morning. I want to make sure we're clear on this because this is just so important. This is the heart of everything as far as Christianity goes, as far as our walk with the Lord, as far as being part of the church, is understanding the gospel. Are you ready? Let me give you the first point. The gospel is simple at its core. The gospel is simple at its core. You might have, I don't know if you take notes in your Bible. I take notes in my Bible. I know some people say, oh no, I, I could never put notes in my Bible. I, I love to mark things up. And sometimes I'll even draw little diagrams and little pictures in my Bible. And I underline things and I'll write stuff out to the side that helps me to remember things and, and to key in on things. And so if you do that, you might want to turn with me, if you have a hard copy of the Bible, uh, you might want to turn with me there to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. This is probably the most concise summary of the gospel that includes all its parts in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 8. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible. Um, you might want to put a box around it. You might want to write gospel in the margin. I don't know what will work for you. But this is a simple, simple summation of the gospel. The Apostle Paul writes, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which, you, which also you received, in which you also stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, here's the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, to one untimely born, He appeared to me also. The gospel is simple. Jesus was the Son of God. 
He came in the flesh to this earth to save us from our sins. He was the Messiah. They crucified him on a cross. They killed him. They thought they were done with him. But three days later, he rose again, just like he said. He appeared to the apostles so that they might have seen him as the risen Lord and go and share the good news about him to all the earth. And that's basically the gospel. Jesus came. He died. He rose again. He offers salvation to you and me. That's the God. It's so simple. It's so easy. It's, 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 it can be summarized that quickly. And anybody can understand the gospel. And anybody can preach the gospel. A lot of times we say, you know, I, I just, I, I can't share my faith. I, I, I don't know enough. I don't understand enough. And look, there are people out there, I, I study all the time. I watch videos all the time. I read books all the time. Trying to get where I can answer people's questions on a lot of these issues but that, that people will throw at you. But I'm sure there are people out there can throw a question at me that I could not answer. And I'd either have to say, well, let me go think about that or let me go research that because there's a billion questions out there and no one person is going to be able to answer all of them. But anybody can share the core of the gospel message. Amen, Brent. That's good preaching. Let's try that again. Anybody can share the core of the gospel message. All right. Thank you. Thank you. The other, other week, we had a crazy dog for a while. It was Jason Baker's fault. Jason Baker, you may have know we lost around Christmas. We lost both of our German Shepherds. One found his way out on 64 and played tag with a transfer truck, and that didn't go so well for him. And then the other one died of old age. And so we lost both of our German Shepherds. And Jason Baker said, hey, my cousin has a dog, a German Shepherd. Great dog, you know, a little crazy and all, but I think y'all, y'all could tame it down, you know, and, and he'll be glad to give it to you for free. And I said, well, if nothing else, the price is right. The, you know, this dog, we'll, we'll try him. And so we got him, and the dog was pretty good with our family for a while, but anybody who came over knew that he didn't know this dog wanted to kill those people. I mean, he was barking, hair standing up, spit flying, just just crazy, you know. And we thought, well, maybe eventually we can work with him and get him calmed down. And no, it didn't happen. Uh, he eventually growled at one of my kids, which is a no-no. So he lives with somebody else now. But anyway, this was during this time that we had him. And the kid's cousin, Emma, came over to our house to hang out for a little while. And we had to have the kids on the outside and the dog on the inside because if the dog had been outside with the kids, he might have tried to kill them and that would have been a bad situation. So anyway, the kids had to stay outside, which was kind of nice, you know, come to think of it. But anyway, so we had these kids and Emma brought one of her friends along with her. And so we have a trampoline right up there in the woods because we're a good redneck homeschool family. We, we teach science on the trampoline, physics actually, that's what we do. But anyway, the kids were up there hanging out on the trampoline and this friend of our kids' cousins, who, whose name Emma, somehow just kind of offhandedly mentioned that she was going to be baptized. And my son Liam says, oh, you're going to be baptized, when would you get saved? And she said, saved? What are you talking about? She goes to a type of church where salvation is not preached as much and that sort of thing. Well, Liam's there and he's brought up the subject. My son Aiden is there also. If y'all don't know Aiden, a lot of people say Aiden is my mini-me. I mean, he, he, he talks a lot like me, thinks a lot like me. And this boy ain't scared of nothing. Never met a stranger in his life, which is a little different than I am. In fact, the other day we were up at Victory Junction. Some of y'all may have seen it in the newspaper. We, we got invited to come up to Victory Junction. We'd never taken a tour of the place before. And 
Anyway, so we go up there and we're hanging out there, a really awesome place. And they, a lot of celebrities came in on this ride. They were doing a motorcycle ride in and Herschel Walker was among the celebrities. And I've said that to some people and they're like, who's Herschel Walker? And I'm like, oh man, I think I'm getting old. But he used to play for the Cowboys. He was, he was a running back at Georgia. He was the Heisman Trophy winner at Georgia. He played for the Cowboys and probably the biggest thing he ever did for the Cowboys was get traded to the Vikings and then they got all these picks and built up a championship team. But anyway, Herschel Walker was there. This dude's like 56 years old, not an ounce of fat on him in perfect shape, you know, but he was super, super nice guy. And our kids come up, and Aiden is wearing his Carolina Panthers shirt and his Carolina Panthers hat. And if you know anything about my son, he's just like me. If it's his team, it's his team. And so anyway, Herschel Walker looks at him and says, Get off that Panthers shirt. You need a Cowboys shirt. Aiden, unfazed, looks right back at Herschel Walker and says, Let me tell you something. I'm going to buy you a Panthers shirt because you need a Panthers shirt. I said, My son is out here talking junk to a Heisman Trophy winner. He's just, he ain't afraid. He's just not afraid. So anyway, this little girl says, yeah, I'm getting baptized, but I've never been saved. Aiden says, you need to be saved. Baptism doesn't do anything for you if you don't know Jesus. If you haven't been saved, you need to give your heart to the Lord. And so on the trampoline outside of our house, for fear of a crazy dog, uh, they're all sitting there and Aiden goes through the gospel. And explains to this girl what the gospel is. That Jesus came and died for our sins. That we were lost in sin, but His blood can cover our sins. And goes through the whole gospel. And then Aiden says, you want to pray and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior right now? This girl says, yeah, I do. And so Aiden takes this girl through the sinner's prayer on her trampoline. 11 years old, takes her through the sinner's prayer. And she gives her heart to Jesus on our trampoline up in the woods. What am I saying to you? Anyone can understand the gospel and anyone can preach the gospel. If my 11-year-old son can preach the gospel at 11 years old to somebody that he hardly knows, you can preach the gospel as well and I can preach the gospel as well. It's simple. It's easy. Anybody can understand it and anybody can preach it. And it's worth preaching. The second thing that you need to understand about the gospel is the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3-4 through 4 says this, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Let me read this, that again. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. I went into the Greek and I looked up what all means in that sentence. And after I studied it in the Greek and parsed it out and everything, I found out that all means all. It really does. All men. God desires that everyone be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Let me give you another witness on that. Romans 11.32 For God has shut up all in disobedience so that He may show mercy to who? All. Everybody. Look, I love Calvinists. If you understand anything about theology, I love Calvinists. Some of my favorite preachers, I have to admit, are Calvinists because they are serious about God's Word. They're bold in their preaching. And really, you can learn a lot from men like John Piper and R.C. Sproul and Bodie Bauckham and John MacArthur when he's in a good mood. I mean, you can learn a lot from these guys. I just think they miss the boat when it comes to this issue. I just think they missed the boat when they teach that Jesus only died for a certain elect few. I don't believe that. 
I believe the Bible teaches that Jesus died for everyone. Anyone can come to salvation in Jesus Christ. Anybody, all people can come to salvation. That doesn't mean that all will be saved. That doesn't mean that automatically Jesus' blood covers everyone. We have to repent of our sins. We have to follow Him. We have to put our faith in Him. But I believe that offer is made to all people. Red, yellow, black, white, rich, poor, smart, dumb, ugly, pretty, whatever... Everybody can come to Jesus Christ because that sacrifice that Jesus made was for whosoever will. Whosoever will may come. Anyone can come to Jesus Christ. And that's the good news of the gospel. The good news is that the good news is for the entire world. It's for everybody. You say, Brent, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the sin that I have gotten into. It doesn't matter. Jesus' blood is stronger than any sin you've ever committed. It can cover anything. I, I was doing a painting a while back, trying a painting, and uh, I hadn't done a painting in a while since I was an art teacher. I kind of got burned out on that, but I was, uh, took a great picture uh, when I was down at, at the beach, down at the lighthouse, and I was going to do a painting of it. And I went and bought some, I said, I'm going to buy some a little more expensive paint because I really want to make this sky look good in this painting. And man, when I started painting with that thing, it was so watery, it wouldn't cover. You were the, Part of the canvas was coming through. I'll never buy that kind of paint again. But anyway, it just wouldn't cover. It just wouldn't cover. Why. And I ended up just having to throw the canvas and everything, all the work that I had started away because it would not cover. Jesus' blood is not like that. There's no sin that will show through. If it's applied, it will cover anything. Whosoever will. The Apostle Paul is the ultimate example. He was a murderer. He was a Christ hater. He wanted to destroy the church. And yet Jesus got a hold of his life and turned that thing around where he became the greatest missionary in the history of the church. And if God can save him, he can save you. That's why God, I believe that's one of the reasons God chose the Apostle Paul was to give us an illustration of anybody can be saved. Whosoever will can come to Jesus Christ. And so I can, I, can, I can preach to you with full confidence this morning. Jesus died for you. I don't care who you are. Jesus died for you. There's a ministry. I'm going to be telling you more about this uh, in, in the coming weeks. But, well, actually, when I get back, I'm, I'm going on sabbatical. But you'll be hearing more about this from our church in the coming weeks. Uh, there's a ministry called Love Life. Love Life. It was started by a Christian businessman in Charlotte. He went out to one of the abortion clinics in Charlotte, Latrobe Abortion Clinic, and man, it just broke his heart. I think that's the busiest abortion clinic in the southeast. And as he saw these moms and dads going in there to thinking they were solving their problem by getting rid of their child, and it just broke his heart. And so he said, I got to do something about this. And he said, if the church, in his mind, in his spirit, he thought if the church would show up, if the church would do something about this, then this thing would stop. This is happening by permission of the church. And so anyway, he, he's decided to start this thing called Love Life. They started it in Charlotte. It's spreading to Greensboro. It's going to Raleigh. But it, it's really, really a simple concept. He's simply asking the church to come out and surround these abortion clinics with love, worship, and prayer. Not confront anybody, not preach at anybody. He's not saying that's wrong because there's a time and a place for everything like that. But that's not what he's asking people to do. Go out and love people, worship God, and pray around these places. 
The last week that they had in Charlotte last year, 5,000 Christians showed up around the Latrobe Abortion Clinic to pray over that place, to try to pray it out of existence, to, to try to show love to the women that, and men that were going in there uh, to deal with their babies as problems. And so it's just an amazing thing. I've started to plug in with this. A friend of mine helped me get plugged into it. But anyway, the leader, the businessman that started this, his name is Justin. And he's kind of like me. He's got a son they say is just his clone. I haven't met his son yet. But said his son's just a little four-year-old guy who just loves his daddy, idolizes his dad. Well, you know, just just spitting image of dad. Sit in Charlotte a couple of weeks ago. They were having their rally, and when the church comes out, the abortion levels go down in these places. And so this little boy comes to his dad and he says, "Daddy, how many babies were saved today? How many babies were saved out here today?" And his dad said, son, he was excited, he said, son, 11 babies were saved today. 11 people chose life today. 11 mom and daddies. And, and, and he said, you know, he was so excited, but said when he said this to this little boy, his face fell. This little four-year-old, he just looked crestfallen and he, his just face dropped. He just looked sad. And he looked up and said, daddy, that's not enough. Daddy, that's not enough. There's more that need to be saved. We've got to do more. That's the heart of the Apostle Paul. That's the heart of the gospel message. That's the heart of the good news. It's not enough. On our board out there, it says, in our conference year, we've had 70 people make commitments to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't know if everybody's kept those commitments, if they were true conversions. We don't know all that. But from our church's ministry, we've had 70 people this conference year say, I want to follow Jesus Christ. Not all of them stayed in this church. Not all of them... Or we get to see on a regular basis or anything like that. But it's not enough. It's not enough. There are more people that need to be one to the gospel. There are more people that need to hear the good news about Jesus Christ. More have to be saved. That's the heart of Jesus. That's the heart of God the Father. That's the heart of the Apostle Paul. It's never enough. The gospel has to go to the ends of the earth. The gospel is for everybody. Everyone needs to be called to salvation. Third point I want to make to you this morning. The gospel is not for the faint of heart. The gospel is not for the faint of heart. It is simple. It is for everyone. But the gospel is not for the faint of heart. One of our church members told me recently that she was speaking to somebody out in the community and she told this person, or this person figured out that this church member goes to Rushwood, comes to our church. And this lady said, oh, you go to Rushwood. She said, I hear that's a great church, but I hear they're real controversial. And you know what? We can probably own that. Because I know who your pastor is. And sometimes he's a little bit controversial. Y'all may, not to get into spiritual gifts, which is what I'll preach on at a later date. When, when we're born again, God gives us certain gifts. Every single person, every single Christian, God puts certain gifts within our lives. Some are, have the gift of hospitality. Some have the gift of mercy. Some have, have the gift of preaching. And, and, and some have, have all sorts of different gifts that God gives us. When I take a spiritual gifts test, almost always my number one gift that I have when I take a spiritual gifts test is the gift of prophecy. It is one that God placed in me when I became born again, when I started following Jesus, and when I really committed my life uh, to, to serving Him, I, I saw it grow, and it, it's just always there. 
And some of you say, oh, prophecy, that means you can tell the future. Well, no, not, not usually. I can't tell the future at all. Now, I have had times in my life, you can believe it or you can not believe it, I have had times where God, through a dream or through some sort of spiritual word that He gives me or just some sort of impression, I can tell what's going to happen before it happens. And sometimes I've even spoken that to people and said, look, here's what's going to happen. And it came true because, but that wasn't me, that was God working within me. But that's not what prophecy mainly is. Prophecy is the gift to preach and teach to God's people, especially in circumstances where they might be going down the wrong path. And that's just one of the gifts that God has placed in my life. In fact, it's one of the top gifts that I have. And so, yeah, I, I, I preach on things that other people will not touch. We go kind of straight at some of the things that other people skirt and go around different directions. You know, that's just part of the ministry that God has placed in my heart placed in my life, I occasionally teach against things like abortion or drunkenness or false religions or greed or homosexuality or racism. Or I, I teach against these things because the Bible teaches against these things. And so if somebody says, you know what, you know, Rushwood is controversial, I can understand, here's the phrase I used, in our comfortable candy-coated Christian culture, I can understand how sometimes if you speak prophetically, it comes off as controversial. What I don't see, however, so I can own that a little bit, is probably more a statement about me than it is about you guys. I can own that a little bit. What I don't see is how we follow Christ and not be controversial. I'm just not sure how that works out. Let me explain. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 22 through 24, it says, For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. That word stumbling block that's used for Jesus there in the Greek, and I, I kind of was funny about Greek earlier. This is true. This is actually what it is in the Greek. The word for stumbling block is scandalon. Scandalon. And what a scandalon was, it was a rock that when you're walking down a smooth path, maybe you've had this happen, I know I have, you're walking down a smooth path, but there's one rock that kind of sticks up. And, you're, and if you're not careful, if you're not paying attention, you're going to trip over that rock and you're going to find yourself on your face before you even knew you were falling. Am I the only one that's happened to or can I get a witness on that? Um, but the word scandalon is obviously, you could probably figure this out, it's where we get our English word scandalous. It's scandalous. It's, it's controversial. And so the gospel, indeed, Jesus himself is a scandal. Jesus is scandalous. I mean, think about the things he said before Moses was, I am. When Jesus said, I am, he was using the name of God for himself. That was a scandal. Jesus said, I'm the only way to the father. Nobody comes to the father except through me. That was scandalous. Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. You're not going to have any life in you if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood. And then a ton of people who were following Jesus went away. A ton of people left. It was scandalous. It was controversial. And that's who we're following. Literally, he's a scandal on. Literally, Jesus is a scandal. Literally, Jesus is a controversy. And when we decide to follow him, that's who we're following. But everybody's going to like us. Not so. Not so. 
In fact, Jesus said in John 15, 18, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it's hated you. And Jesus said in Luke 6, 26, this is the NIV version, woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. The good news lived out. Here's what you need to know before you decide to follow Jesus, before you decide to accept the gospel. The good news believed and lived out will always cost you popularity. It will always cost you popularity. Some people will love you. Some people will be blessed by your life. Some people think you're the best thing since sliced bread. Others will despise you because you're following someone who, from the world's standpoint, is scandalous. Is scandalous. Someone who came and Jesus said, look, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I came to divide things up. Jesus says, I'm it, I'm the way, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You're not coming to the Father except by me. And that scandalizes because we want to make our own way to heaven. We want to make our own way to the Father. But Jesus says, it's not possible. I am the only way. Let me put it in social media terms, if you will. The good news believed and lived out will always cost you some likes. It will always cost you some likes. Some people are not going to get on board with what you're saying when you're trying to live, preach, and believe the good news. But here's the thing, at the end of the day, it's still the good news. At the end of the day, it's still the only game in town. At the end of the day, Jesus still is the only way to heaven. He's the only one that, that he's the only true gate. He's the only true vine. He's the only way. He's it. But before we build, we need to consider the cost. Before we build, before we make the gospel the center of our lives, we have to understand it will probably cost us some things. Look, if you're a business person, living the gospel, following Jesus for real, will probably cost you some business. I remember growing up, my mom and dad were Christian business people, and they said time and time again, we don't understand how we try to do everything right, we try to do everything in a godly way, and it seems like the people who don't, do, do things in a godly way. The people who are unethical, they seem to prosper and we seem to fall behind. And, and I remember growing up hearing that time and time again, my mom and dad saying, we try to do what's right and it seems like the evildoers get ahead. The evildoers prosper. Well, part of that is if you're trying to follow Jesus, not everybody's going to go along with you. My friend Flip Benham puts it this way. Flip says, it's great to follow Jesus. It's fun to follow Jesus until you find out where he's going. And where Jesus is going is a cross. Where Jesus is going is to lay his life down. And that's what he calls us to do, to lay our lives down to follow Jesus. The Apostle Paul uh, talked to you a little bit about the movie that was put out, which I just thought was an, an awesome and amazing movie. But the end scene of the movie, Paul the Apostle of Christ, Paul goes and he's going to be executed by the Romans. And he's executed for sharing the gospel. He's executed for taking the gospel. This, the start of all his problems was when he took his gospel to the Gentile believers. And so Paul is literally going to be executed for the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's a powerful scene at the end of the movie. I don't think I'm giving anything away because if you know the history of the Apostle Paul, that was the end of his life. He goes and he lays his head down on a chopping block. And there's a Roman soldier who comes with a sword to remove his head, to behead him, and to end his life. When the Apostle Paul started following Jesus, he had to count the cost. 
He had to know that it was potentially going to cost him his life. But Paul says this amazing thing. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is even better. Or to die is gain. The gospel is costly. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not easy. It's a different path than other people are willing to take. Some people front like they're following the gospel and they act like they're following the gospel and they act like they're really following Jesus. But really, most of their life is spent following the world with just a little bit of Jesus on the side for fire insurance. I'm not even sure that gets you to heaven. I'm not even sure that is is worth doing because Jesus said if you're lukewarm, he's going to spit you out of his mouth. Those of us who really follow him, we got to count the cost. We got to know that it's not going to be an easy path. But what we do know is it's worth it. Jesus died for our sins. He makes us right with God the Father. He gives us a way to eternal life. He puts the Holy Spirit within us where we're enlivened. Man, there are days when I should be having a terrible day, but I'm not having a terrible day because the Holy Spirit's working within me. Bringing joy into my life, bringing happiness. All the circumstances are bad. Things don't look good. But because the Holy Spirit is living within me and the gospel's at work through the Holy Spirit, man, I'm having a good day. I'm having a great day living for Jesus. And there, there are things in my life that people would say, man, Brent, I, you know, you could do so much better if you would do this or if you would do that. But if it costs me following Jesus, I, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I want to follow him. I've wanted to be committed to him at about 19 years old. At age 8, I made him my savior. But at about 19 years old, I made him my Lord. And I said, Jesus, I surrender everything to you. No matter where I'm going, no matter what I'm doing, I'm surrendering it all to you. The Apostle Paul considered the cost of following Jesus well worthwhile. And that's the main thing I could tell you about the gospel this morning. No matter what it costs you, it's worth it. If you have to order your family around it, and we're talking a little bit about mothers, and we're talking a little bit about families and that sort of thing today, it's worth it in the end. It will cost you, it will hurt It will not be the easiest road in the world, but it's the only road that leads to glory. It's the only road that leads to salvation. And it's totally worth it. So I just want to encourage you this morning. Keep walking that road. If you don't know Jesus, come find me after service. Let's talk. Let's pray. Let's get you you following Jesus and make him the Lord of your life. And you're just never going to regret it. It won't always be easy, but I promise you, you'll have no regrets. Let's stand together this morning. Heavenly Father, we love you today and we love your word. We love the good news that Jesus died for our sins, that his blood can cover any sin, that he has freed us, that he wants to make us whole. God, I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice. If they don't know Jesus today, God, I pray that they would look into Jesus, that they would look into your word, that they would talk to people who know Jesus and find out more about this life. And God, if there are Christians who are struggling to walk with you, God, I pray that you would strengthen them through your Holy Spirit, God. And I pray that you would bring people around them that would help them be strengthened and walk with you. Father, as we sang earlier, God, you're so good. You are so good to us. You bless us so much, God, with your presence. You bless us in so many ways. You bless us with your favor. God, you bless us with your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that as we leave this place today, we would keep you as the center of our lives, God. We would not turn to the left. We would not turn to the right. God, I, I, I don't 
want us to be a controversial people for controversy's sake, Lord. But if it ever comes up that somebody says the gospel is controversial and we need to tone it down, I pray that we would be bold enough to say, Jesus died for us, I'm going to give my all for him. And we would not back down God. In fact, we would crank the volume up a little bit more so that more people would come to know Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you so much for your presence. We thank you for your blessings We thank you for the children that are in this church, God. Help them to grow up to be mighty warriors for you, men and women of God. Thank you above all for Jesus and the salvation that he offers. Lord, it's in his name we pray all these things. Rushwood said together, amen. As you leave today, remember our giving boxes are in the back. Your tithes and offerings help us to continue this ministry, continue to reach more people for Jesus Christ. I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. I hope you have a great week. God bless you.